I don't think I will ever forget being stranded in the middle of a lake with my wife and four kids and having no idea what to do. Well, a few weeks ago, my friend Pastor Ben, the pastor of Northridge Church, graciously offered to let my family stay at his cabin up north for a, a few days, and we had a blast. And what's so wonderful about their cabin is they have sailboats and paddle boats and a speedboat, and Ben said, hey, just take out any of the boats, just have fun, eat s'mores. All we ask is you send us a few pictures of your kids having fun and, and payment in full. And so we did, we had a blast, made some fires, and if you know me uh, for very long, you know that I love being on the water, I love going out in my kayak, I love boating, we don't own a boat, but whenever I get a chance to go on someone else's boat, I love to be able to do that. And so I was like, let's take out Ben's speedboat. And so I went through the checklist and I went down and I was like, okay, make sure you have two gas cans in the boat, check. You know, make you got the key, the throttle, you know, choke it, all this stuff. We did that and, and, and we took off and man, we were having fun. We were, you know, just cruising around the lake, having a good time, when all of a sudden the boat just stopped and it would not start again. And so I'm checking everything and, and I'm not super handy with motors, things like that. I'm trying to figure out what is going on. And I'm like, there's two gas cans here. You know, um, well, wait a minute. I checked that there was gas cans, but I didn't check that there was gas in the gas cans. So I opened up the first one that it was attached to and yep, sure enough, out of gas. Okay, easy problem to solve. There's the other gas tank. So just switch the line over to that one. Presto, we can head back home. So I go to the other gas tank, I attach it, try to start the, the boat, no good. Huh, what's going on? So I look in the second gas tank, it is empty as well. And so we finally had to wave someone down to tow us into shore and that's when I realized it's not enough to just check that you have the gas tanks. You have to make sure there's actually gas in the gas tanks because boats don't run on empty, amen? <laughs> the truth is, None of us run on empty. But if you're like me, there are so many times where I feel just spiritually empty. And I look around and I see so many Christians who tell me that they are living on empty, in need of some kind of refueling and aren't sure exactly what to do. But the thing is, unlike an empty gas tank on a boat where you're stranded and can't do anything, Followers of Jesus can be spiritually empty and yet appear as though nothing is wrong. I've been there. I can pretend that all is well, that, that my tank is full, when actually I'm just coasting along, barely getting by on just a few fumes. You know, I can pretend that all is well without confessing my need for refueling, without bringing others into my need to be refueled. Maybe you're like me. And, and, and you've felt either now or in the past that emptiness, that, that like your spiritual tank is just needing to be refueled. Well, here's some warning signs that I found when, when you're running on empty, uh, impatience. A good sign of this is you're at the grocery store and you're looking around for the checkout line, you know, with the shortest amount of people and you maybe even you, you change checkout lines because you wanna get through faster or you're approaching a stoplight and, and you gotta zip into the other lane because there's less cars in it. Another sign of being spiritually empty is a lack of compassion for those who are hurting. You feel emotionally numb. 
You just don't have the capacity to feel another's pain. You're just like, you know what? I just gotta block it all out. I can't hear about another tragedy. Uh, or honestly, you can't even deal with your own pain for that matter. You just, you just don't have time for it. You don't have time for all this emotional nonsense of, of caring about others. And so you just lack compassion for those who are hurting. Another sign is, is restlessness. When you actually try to sit down and slow down and relax, you, you just can't relax. You watch TV, but you're constantly scrolling your phone at the same time. You try to read scripture, but you just find it boring. When you lay down to sleep, your mind races with, with all the things you need to do or, or all the things that could go wrong the next day or, or the next week. Another sign of being spiritually empty is a lack of care for your body. You don't have time for the basics, you know, getting eight hours of sleep, you know, daily exercise, healthy home-cooked meals until you gain weight. You get sick multiple times a year. You regularly wake up tired. You live off the, the four horsemen of the industrialized food apocalypse, you know, caffeine, sugar, alcohol, and, and processed carbs. Another sign of, of being spiritually living on empty is you're more vulnerable to temptation. You're, you're, you're more likely to snap at those that you love or, or to scroll things on your phone that you know you shouldn't be looking at and doesn't help your soul and isn't good for anybody. You find yourself short with people that you just don't have that grace that you want to give to others and so you snap at them and, and, and you just have this less margin and you just can't deal with people. Another sign is just you feel distant from God. And so all your kind of spiritual practices, all your spiritual disciplines just kind of slip away. And so instead of a life filled with God and walking with Him, we settle for a Netflix subscription and a glass of cheap red wine or some takeout food. I think a lot of people think they're the only ones who struggle with these feelings. But in that emptiness, I, I believe that there is a desire to connect with God and you are not alone in these feelings, especially during this time right now in this season of just so much uncertainty and a pandemic and just, just an election season and all that's going on. The good news is that we don't have to stay on empty. We can learn to consistently refuel our spiritual tanks and experience the fullness of God that Jesus promises to us. We don't have to be stuck in the middle of that lake like I was with my family, just being on empty. We can get refueled. We don't have to run on empty anymore. There's a, a book I've been reading that's just been blowing my mind and, and just been really changing my heart and my mind. And honestly, it just kind of resonates with a lot of what I've been feeling and thinking. It's like, yes, I, I couldn't have said it that way, but, but thank you for writing this. It's, it's a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Uh, John Mark is a pastor out in Portland of a church called Bridgetown. And uh, this book has been so, so good. And I just recommend right now, if you're, if you're feeling like you're running empty, pick up that book. It's really good. Some of the things I'm going to be sharing today are little insights from that book, uh, as well as some other books uh, by uh, Dallas Willard, uh, Along Obedience in the Same Direction by Eugene Peterson. Um, just There's a number of good books uh, by Haley Ruth Barton about the spiritual disciplines and living life in the full. Uh, but today, we want to look at, you know, what does Jesus offer us in terms of life and, and fullness and, and, and being filled. If you look at the four Gospels and you read about Jesus, one thing you pick up is that Jesus was rarely in a hurry. 
Can you imagine Jesus snapping at Mary Magdalene for, you know, Mary, I can't believe you dropped the hummus, you know, or, or, or him just kind of settling into his seat and sighing to myself, himself like, man, these disciples, I seriously need a good glass of wine. You know, can you imagine Jesus talking with you and as you're sharing about your day, he's kind of half texting on his iPhone and with a sprat of kind of, uh-huh, uh-huh, just kind of punctuating your, your one-way conversation. No, like Jesus was fully present in the moment. Jesus embodied a life that was, that was giving, that was full of hope and love. And he was never in a hurry. He was never dismissive of people. And, and how do we walk in that way? Well, Jesus was a rabbi, which means teacher in Hebrew. Yes, he was more than a teacher. He, he was the God-man, Jesus Christ, the anointed one, our Savior and Messiah. But if you were a first century Jew and Jesus showed up in your synagogue one Sunday morning, odds are that's how you would characterize him was as a teacher, as a rabbi. And like every rabbi in his day, Jesus had two things. Number one, he had a yoke. Now, not a literal yoke for those of you who maybe grew up in farming communities. Uh, he was a teacher, not a farmer, but he did live in that ag agrarian society. And so he used a lot of farming metaphors as he taught. But a yoke was a common idiom in the first century for a rabbi's way of dealing with the, the Torah or the Old Testament scriptures, the Jewish scriptures. But it was more than that. It was uh, a rabbi's set of teachings on how to be fully human. You know, how, how to shoulder the weight of, of marriage and, and divorce and prayer and money and sex and conflict resolution, all of that. That was known as the rabbi's yoke. And it's kind of an odd image for those of us who aren't farmers, but imagine two oxen yoked together to pull a plow or to pull a cart. A, a yoke is how you would shoulder that load. And what made Jesus unique wasn't that he had a yoke. Uh, every, every rabbi had a yoke, but what was how Jesus described his yoke. He said, my yoke is easy. My yoke is easy. Let's look at that. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, I'm going to read in the ESV version. Jesus says this, he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Man, what a great promise. If you feel weary and heavy laden, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, Take my yoke, his set of teachings upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my, oak, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come find rest for your souls. If you're like me, that just resonates so much, especially in this season of just feeling spiritually antsy, feeling like, I'm in a rush, feeling like I, I, I don't have a lot to give. And this idea of Jesus saying, come to me, you will find rest for your weary soul. Second, Jesus had a yoke, and second, Jesus had apprentices. Uh, in Hebrew, the word is talmidim, and it's usually translated as disciples, but I think an even better word that I, I've been resonating with lately is, is an apprentice, an apprentice of Jesus. To be one of Jesus' Talmidims is to apprentice under Jesus. To put simply, it's to organize your life around three basic goals. Number one, it's to be with Jesus. 
Number two, to become like Jesus. Number three, to do what he would do if he was you. To do what he would do if he was you. See, Jesus was a, a single male living in first century Palestine. So we have to do some uh, kind of uh, contextualizing to say, okay, what would Jesus do if he was a 30-something mom living in Maple Grove? How would he handle his business? What would he post on Facebook? How much time would he spend on Instagram? You know, how would he care for his children? If Jesus was, you know, a, a, a manager at, you know, a tech firm, how would he handle his employees? You know, how would Jesus build a business? How would Jesus be a theater director or a realtor caring for people? That is what it means to be an apprentice of Jesus. To say, what would Jesus do if he was in my situation, walking in my shoes? How would he respond to that email, to that text message? Uh, when I want to get into that debate on social media, how would Jesus respond? What are the kind of things that Jesus would speak up about? About injustice, about greed, racism, these issues that we're facing today. How would Jesus respond? Jesus had his yoke, his series of teachings, and he had his apprentices. This fall, we, we are going to take uh, this next year or so to just say, what does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to be an apprentice of Jesus? How do we walk in his ways? How do we be with Jesus? The thing is that our Jesus, he rose again. He's alive and we can be with him in our lives now here. How can we become like Jesus? As we study who he is and his ways and, and how he spent his time and, and his priorities and how he ordered his life. And number three, to do what he would do if he was you. Let's look at that scripture again, Matthew 11, 28 through 30. And just kind of, just listen again to this, just slowly. Maybe you want to close your eyes and just let this wash over you. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Eugene Peterson is a, uh, was a, a great pastor. He never uh, led a church that was very large, more, any more than 500 people or so. Wrote a number of books, and he also translated scripture into kind of modern day speech in a version of the Bible called The Message. And I love Eugene's Peterson's translation of this, he says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. How great is that line? That is our desire this fall, to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And here's the thing, if we want to experience the life of Jesus, we need to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. 
When you read scripture, we read about stories about his, his joy, his resolute peace in the face of uncertainty, his unanxious presence with people, his relaxed manner, and how much he was in the moment giving every person value and dignity and worth as he was fully present with them. And we think, I want that kind of life. But so often the truth is, I think we don't want to adopt his lifestyle. We don't want to give things up. We don't want to make too many changes. But being a follower of Jesus is not just about believing a set of ideas. It's so much more than that. It's a way of life based on that of Jesus himself. See, Jesus didn't come just offering some escape that when we die, we get to go to heaven or even escape from our problems here on earth to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. He offers something much better than escape. He offers equipment. He offers his apprentices a whole new way to bear the weight of humanity with ease at his side, with Jesus doing all the heavy lifting at his pace, slow, unhurried, present to the moment, full of love and joy and peace. What does it mean to take up his yoke? It means to be shoulder to shoulder with Jesus, walking at his pace, letting Jesus do the heavy lifting as we are side by side, unhurried, present to the moment, learning from him, walking with Jesus as we get his set of guidelines and how to order our life upon our shoulders, as we learn to shoulder the weight that we are feeling, as we learn to be refueled and refilled with his presence and his spirit. See, an easy life honestly just isn't an option, but an easy yoke is. As a church, where I feel God is leading us is to define ourselves really as, a, as contemplative, charismatic. Now, what does that mean? This is something, just being honest, I have been on this journey for kind of my, my 40 years. I grew up in a small Pentecostal church right here in Maple Grove, where there were spontaneous expressions of the Holy Spirit moving and active and people getting healed and, and the Holy Spirit speaking. And, and there was prophecy and tongues and, and, and these wonderful movements of the Holy Spirit. And then in college, I, I worked at the Basilica of St. Mary uh, and the Catholic Church. And while I was in college and, and doing my graduate work, I fell in love with, with C.S. Lewis and the intellectual giants of the faith. And then while I was pastoring out in Colorado, uh, discovering the contemplative practices of silence and, and solitude and, and Sabbath keeping and, and, and journaling and, and meditation upon scriptures and, and walking in a prayer labyrinth to order our life in these different practices. Well, where I believe God is leading us is to be this hybrid of both the contemplative and the charismatic traditions. See, I think people think of them as totally different, but they have the same heart is to encounter God, the manifest presence of God, not just ideas or feelings about God, but God himself, not just head knowledge or chasing an emotional high, but truly walking with God as an apprentice of Jesus. What does that look like? Well, really, we're going to order our fall around two basic pathways, the contemplative pathway and the charismatic pathway. The contemplative are things like our daily spiritual disciplines, quiet time with God. They're, they're more individualistic. They're intellectual. They're sense of peace. 
The charismatic side is an experience of being with God's people, of being with God, things that might be a little bit more spontaneous, singing, uh, coming together as a larger family on Sunday mornings. It's communal, it's, it's emotional, there's, there's passion there. So how are we gonna do that? Well, first, we're gonna have our large gathering on Sunday mornings as a, as a whole spiritual family. And I really want us to believe and to, to know that when, when, when God calls us to be a part of a church, it's joining a spiritual family. And that's what we are. We're, we are cousins and uncles and, and, and aunts and grandparents and, and children as we come together to walk with God as a spiritual family. And this fall, we're going to get to do that all in one big room. And so we're going to have time of worship. We are celebrating God together. We're going to be teaching our kids how to worship. And, and what I see is, 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 is kids watching their parents raise their hands, singing out loud, respond to the greatness and the glory of God. Of, of us coming to church with our physical, tangible Bibles and our kids watching us as adults as, as we read the scriptures, as we underline, as we journal. We're going to be watching a 15-minute kids video every week. And then each week we'll be memorizing a scripture. And what I would love is that then families throughout the week at the dinner table, you're reciting that memory verse together. As a church, we're hiding God's word in our heart. That's what Sunday morning's gonna be. It's, it's, it's a big, spontaneous gathering. And my prayer is that in this next season, that as a church, we will see more and more of a step into uh, the, the spiritual gifts. That, that we will walk more in the spirit and we'll see that charismatic outpouring of people being healed and, and delivered, of, of people miraculously uh, uh, being healed of infertility and, and, and getting pregnant, of people being delivered from addictions, of, of someone sharing a, a word, uh, a prophecy, a tongue maybe, and not feeling pressured, not feeling weird about it, but just really walking through, what does 1 Corinthians say? How do we walk in the spirit as a church together? Sunday nights, we're going to have uh, something brand new we're kicking off called Alpha. Alpha is a phenomenal program that will start in England to help people far from God answer questions about the faith and, and to journey spiritually together. And so Jeremy Stuber, Wendy Miner, and Bradley Stapleton, three of our governing team members, uh, are going to be leading Alpha this fall. And I want to play a short uh, promo video now that explains a little bit about what Alpha is. So go ahead and check that out. Having conversations about life, faith, and Jesus is hard. And this is interesting because at some point, everyone wrestles with life's big questions. Questions about hope, purpose, meaning, and love. Imagine creating a space where people in our community, our friends, neighbors, and coworkers, can come and have conversations in a way that is authentic and unforced where leaders don't need to have all the answers and anyone can ask tough questions and share honestly about what they believe. That's what Alpha is all about. Alpha started in a church in London years ago with a simple idea to engage friends who might not typically go to church. Lives were transformed and it began to grow all over the world. Today, you can find Alpha in schools, coffee shops, church buildings, prisons, and homes. And so far, millions of people have experienced Alpha. 
So what is Alpha? Alpha is a series of interactive sessions exploring the basics of the Christian faith. In each session, you eat food, listen to a talk, and have discussions in small groups. Eating food together creates space for people to connect, relax, and build friendships. The talks tackle core questions about life and faith from a Christian perspective. And the discussion allows people to unpack these ideas without fear of being corrected or judged. All of this is done in a fun environment where anyone is welcome. There are three main sets of talks you could use. The Alpha Film Series, Alpha with Nikki Gumbel, and the Alpha Youth Series. Each is designed with a different audience in mind and is typically run over eight to 12 weeks with a weekend away where there are opportunities to experience worship through music and moments for prayer. Alpha also comes with everything you need to empower others to be involved, like discussion guides and training videos for you and your team. And all the talks and tools are available online and can be downloaded for free. By running Alpha, you're creating a space where people can connect with each other and connect with God. Sign up, get started, run Alpha today. And so Alpha will be kicking off at the end of September, on September 27th. And if, if you'd like more information for that, I want to encourage you right now, actually, uh, if we could all just grab your phone and go uh, to our online connection card. Just go to www.mymosaicchurch.com. Go ahead and do that on your phone right now. MyMosaicChurch.com. Go ahead and pull that up on your phone. You can click on the, uh, the online connection card and you can then get more information on baptism, on uh, alpha, on small groups. Uh, you can give us uh, share a prayer request on there. Uh, so uh, go ahead and do that now. And uh, if you'd like more information about alpha, uh, about being a part of that, it's going to be online. Uh, through Zoom this fall and potentially then in the spring we'll be offering a in-person experience but for starters we're going to be doing it online through Zoom and this is a great opportunity too for someone maybe who has lots of questions to be a part of that with you invite them to do this on Zoom on Sunday nights our youth group is going to continue to meet on Sunday nights um, and uh, it's going to be we're really excited about this we're going to have time of worship and, and teaching and, and fun games and, and small group times uh, if you didn't know, we've had a little bit of a staffing transition, and uh, Josh Olson is now our associate pastor, uh, just kind of uh, leading and, and, and loving on people and just in, in a little different capacity. And Ethan Hickel is our new student ministry director. And so Ethan has been investing in our students uh, uh, for the last, oh, about a year and a half as he started off as an intern, and then now is our student ministry director. We're super excited about that. Uh, he's been doing a phenomenal job this summer, just investing in in our teens. So that'll be uh, Sunday nights at 6 p.m. as well. So if you have an older kid, you can drop them off at youth group and at our church office location, which is in Brooklyn Park. And you can drop off your student at youth group and then uh, hop online uh, for Zoom uh, Alpha if you want to be a part of that. Uh, the other thing we're going to do is Mosaic Midweek. Um, I'll be sharing a deeper teaching than what's on Sunday morning and really devoted towards the spiritual practices, really diving into how do we walk with Jesus? How do we take his yoke upon us side by side at his pace, unhurried, fully present to the moment, fully embracing a life of joy and peace and love? And what does that look like as, as we walk through those spiritual practices uh, together in the middle of the week? And those will be posted to YouTube. And then what you can do is you can watch that at your own time by yourself. 
You can grab your spouse and when the kids go to bed, pull that up on your smart TV or laptop and, and go through those together. Or you can also gather in one of our small groups. We're gonna have some small groups that will meet in person, uh, in homes, uh, smaller groups of, of you know eight to 10 adults. And you can watch that video and then discuss it together. Or you can also put together a group of uh, an online small group where you watch that video together online in a small group. Maybe uh, you know your kids go to bed early, and so you want to log on to that and, and still chat with some other people about the spiritual practices and and how to walk with Jesus, how to take His yoke upon us that is easy and, and follow in His ways. And so those are uh, some of the ways this fall that we're going to be embracing the contemplative practices of how to walk in the way of Jesus individually on our own as well as the charismatic experiences of allowing the spirit to flow through us as a family in large groups and, and in smaller groups together. My friend, there's a, a battle for your soul and our enemy wants us to be defeated and living on empty and tired and depressed and anxious. But Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. The desire of Jesus is that you would have rest, that you would live life to the fullest. You would find rest for your souls. It's gonna take some work, ironically, to find that rest as we take his yoke upon us, as we learn to walk at the pace of Jesus. But imagine what a difference it can make if all of us learn to walk like Jesus, to walk with Jesus. Jesus, to live as if he was living in our shoes, in our lives today. How different our families would look, our community would look, our church would look. Well, I'm excited about this fall and all the things that God is going to be doing in and through us.